Well, good morning, church. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Blaine McLeod, and I'm the visitation pastor here at the church. Uh, happy Father's Day. I said one of the greatest blessings in my life was the ability or the, the privilege of being a dad. Um, a big responsibility, but God blessed me with an amazing family, and they surprised me, and they're all here this morning. Would you like them to stand so you can see everybody? Would my family please stand this morning? My five grandsons, my sons, their spouses. And you know, they bring me so much joy and purpose. It's hard for me not to uh, be emotional, but they bless my life and I'm thankful for them. Well, the scripture that we read this morning is talking about community and fellowship and how important that is to each one of us. Reuben Welsh says, The church is not the society of the congenial. It is a fellowship based on common life in Jesus. It is the will of God that the Christian life be lived in the context of fellowship of shared life. And God has made us in such a way that we really do need each other. In our Western society, we've become individualized and, and we've forgotten how much we really do need each other. Some of you would remember the song, on the Jericho Road, there's room for just two, no more, no less, just for Jesus and you. And then when I am burdened and when I am sad, Jesus is all I need. And there is great truth in these and that Jesus is adequate. But when you're burdened and sad, you need Jesus, but you need someone to be Jesus to you, someone to be a healing presence to you. And sometimes what you need is to have someone to share with, to talk with you. We really have been designed for community, not because God is inadequate, but it's just how grace works. In California, we're going to bring up, look way down there at the bottom, you'll see a man standing there. Well, these used redwood trees in California are amazing. How many have ever been, seen them in person? You have. There's some you can even drive through. But they are the largest living thing on earth. They're the tallest trees in the world. They grow to about 300 feet tall. And they're more than 2,500 years old. You'd think that trees like that would have a, a root system that goes very, very deep. But that's not the case. Redwood trees have a very shallow root system. And the roots of the trees are, however, intertwined. They are tied in with each other, interlocked, and when the storm comes and, and the wind blows, the redwood will still stand. And with an interlocking root system, they support and sustain each other. You see, they need each other to survive, and so do we. God has given us his church 
which is the body of Christ on earth. And through Christ, we're bound together in a community of faith. Belonging to Christ, we belong to each other. Fellowship with Christians means fellowship with each other. And through Christ, God has made us a family, a community of faith. And this is our God-given support system. You know, I was thinking back when I was a child, uh, if there was a prayer meeting going on, I was there. If there was a church service going on, I was there. And I remember um, uh, one of, um, of uh, Tim Bridges' relatives picked me up for church on a Sunday night, and his car was packed. And so I had to sit in the trunk of the car with two men, and they hid the trunk up. Where there was church, you'd find Blaine. Because I felt valued there. I felt secure, I felt understood, and I felt encouraged. That's what the community is all about. It's a system of support. And it meets the intended crucial needs in our lives. Our text for this morning tells us that the very first community of believers gathered together on a regular basis for worship, prayer, and for study. In Acts 2.44, it says, all the believers were together. It wasn't easy to follow Christ in the first century. Times were tough. Persecution was rampant. The early believers were bound together in a fellowship and, and a community. They needed each other. There's strength in numbers. It also isn't easy for us to follow Christ and truly live for him in a secular, humanistic society with libertarian, libertarian philosophy. There's discouragement out there. There's lots of temptation. There's sin, there's apathy, failure, materialism, unbelieving friends and family, doubts, rejection, unanswered questions. We've faced so many obstacles in our desire to live for the Lord. God, however, did, has not left us in our own to run the race and the fight, the battle. He has given us each other. Our text reveals to us the proper focus of the community of believers. They said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. It's interesting, in the Old Covenant there were ten steps, and one of those steps was break, taking a meal together. And what it symbolized was that when I eat with you, I ingest you. I become a part of your life, you become a part of my life. When Jesus met with the disciples, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. This is the blood shed for your remission of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Me. We are ingesting Christ when we take communion. And this is what he's talking about there. We become a part of a great family tied together. He says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. 
and our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. The teaching to which they devoted themselves was the message that Jesus proclaimed to the apostles. Jesus, the divine Son of God, Savior, was crucified, buried, but he rose from the dead. And we read this yesterday in the ordination service, the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' teaching included the words, actions, and teachings of the Lord. The breaking of bread is a reference of the Lord's Supper that they observed. It also referred to other times when they gathered around the common meal teaching, fellowship, praying, sharing around the Lord's table. That's what community is all about. It's coming together. It was interesting. We had our conference or convention on Zoom yesterday, and we could see everybody during the day. But last night, when we all gathered together as a community to celebrate and to be there for the laying on of hands for the ordinance, it was a different experience. We do really need each other. In the New Testament, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. Believers needed each other, and God expected them to be there for each other. Likewise, we need each other, and God expects us to be there for each other. God has ordained that we play a vital part in each other's face. And for this reason, we are commanded in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. God has a purpose for putting us together. Henry Nouwen points out, We are unified by our common weaknesses, our common failures, our common disappointments, and our common inconsistencies. Isn't that true? That's why the 12-step program is so important to people who are struggling with addictions. Luke informs us that all the believers were one heart and mind. So God used the community of faith to do some powerful things in the lives of countless believers living in a pagan, godless world. And God's plan has not changed. He still desires to use his church to do some powerful things in our lives. You see, the community of faith is absolutely crucial to our spiritual well-being. And through it, God desires that we find strength, that we find places on our journey to minister, and a never-ending source of guidance. So strength, ministry, and guidance is something that a community of faith, a church group, a fellowship, provides for each one of us. And as we face the inevitable trials and the troubles and tragedies of life, God intends that we be supported, strengthened, and encouraged and empowered through the community of believers. In the course of life, the psalmist David has his share of difficulties and painful times that tested his faith and sometimes caused him to waver. In Psalm 61-2, we see on the screen, 
He says, I call to you as my heart grows faint. And in verse 5, you have given to me, he said, the heritage of those who fear your name. God strengthened his faith and empowered him, but it was through fellow believers. And how many times have you, in your struggles in life, have turned to one of your fellow believers and they just seem to have that word of wisdom and encouragement that you needed to help you on your journey? I think we've all been there and we thank God for that. During the times when we're overwhelmed by trials and heartaches and the burdens of life, we too need to be strengthened and encouraged by fellow believers. When we wonder if God really does love us and care for us, we need God's people. God in his providence has chosen to come to us through his people. How many of you have ever felt like you are a catalyst that God uses? The person next to you is a catalyst that God uses. Just look to that person and say, you're a catalyst. There you go. <laughs> Through other Christians, we can, we can sense and know that God loves us and cares for us. When we're loved and cared by another believer, especially during painful times, we gain a new sense of God's love and work through them. For us, we need each other. We need the community of faith. We saw this when we, remember when we had that flood here in Calgary? And how people left their job places to go and help people, to clean up, and, and it was just amazing. We really do need each other. When the storms of life hit, we need to be standing close to other Christians. We need each other. We can't stand alone. The closer we stand in community, the more we're able to hold up. When my mother was in her last days battling with cancer, there were two sisters who would come to their home every night, clockwork, just to come to pray. And my mother said it, it was such a, a, a comforting time for her. And when I thanked these sisters at her memorial service, they said, well, we just felt we were under a dome of the Holy Spirit when we entered the home because they were doing what God had called them to do. They were there lifting up the drooping hands. They were a catalyst. They became the hands and the voice and the feet of God. He expects us to encourage one another during the storms of life. And that's why we need to be active part, an active part in a community of faith. We do need each other, and they need us. The community of faith is crucial to our spiritual well-being because it is in this place where we find special opportunities to minister. And those in the community of faith do not merely absorb Christ's love individually, their changed lives also reflect his love corporately. We all have God-given responsibilities to reach out and to minister to each other. Love acts. It serves God and others. We love the pay-it-forward stories, don't we? 
We watch them on YouTube. We, we hear them and read about them, how somebody just did something special for someone else, and their lives were changed, transformed by an act of love and kindness. In verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Their ministry to each other includes sharing of material goods to meet temporal needs. The general told us, or no, at the mission, I believe it was yesterday, they told the story about people in Cuba. The pastors make $15 a month was their salary. But there was a tsunami in the Philippines. I think I've got this right. And they took up a love offering and raised $1,000 to give to the people in the Philippines who had been suffering from a tsunami. You see, it's caring and sharing what we have. So in Ephesians 3.10 declares that God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. God wants to guide us, but he has chosen to do it through his people in the community of faith. He gives us wisdom on the journey and we, as we study his word and as we pray together. And looking to the Lord's people, we are much more apt to be guided down those paths that enrich our lives rather than wreck them. We're going to get that. We're not going to get that from the Hollywood crowd. As we share our lives together, God counsels us with advice that improves our relationships with him, our spouses, our children, and those around us. He guides us regarding proper priorities, values, morals, and ethics. And through our interaction with each other, his word and his word, he helps us to make right choices and good decisions. The guidance that we receive through the community of faith is absolutely essential to our well-being, especially in these times when right is wrong and wrong is right. Through his people, God guides us away from the sinful past, and so many ways of the world look so enticing. They are so acceptable. They promise to bring us great pleasure. They, they pre they're presented as harmless, and we're told that they will bring us happiness and fulfillment, but they don't. They bring us only heartache and regret. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Without a doubt, sin does deceive. It promises much, but delivers little. Were it not for the community of faith, we might be more easily and readily succumb to the temptations of sin. But through the community of faith, we're guided into the paths of righteousness as we're able to resist the sinful, the deadly ways of the world. And being in the community of faith, it is, however, not without its difficulties and frustrations. The mark of a community, a true biblical community, is not the absence of conflict and difficulties, but the presence of reconciling spirit. Commitment is a community of believers where we can be strengthened and find a place of ministry and receive much needed strength. John Ortberg, in his book, Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them, says, 
our plight is not unlike that of a group of porcupines that the famous philosopher Schopenhauer once used to illustrate a point. A group of porcupines were marooned on a bitter cold night in the middle of a large frozen field. There was no way to escape the biting wind. They could not burrow into the frozen ground. As they huddled together to keep warm, their sharp quills began to pinch and hurt. The closer they moved together, the more pain increased. Some of the animals could not bear the pain and drew apart to sleep alone. In the morning, they had frozen to death. In our humanness, there are times when we hurt each other and the tendency is to pull away and to go it alone, but we must resist that tendency. You see, we're designed for community. The journey of life and faith is often trying, difficult and painful. Discouragement, relentless temptation, debilitating sins, doubt, ridicule, burdensome, weaknesses, heavy burdens, unanswered questions, rejections. Little wonder God has given us a family of God and the fellowship of believers. It's an absolutely essential source of strength and guidance. Ephesians 2.19 reminds us that as a result of our relationship with Christ, he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens separated from God, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. In Christ, we are a community of faith, a special place where we can minister and be ministered to. We really do need each other. John Ortberg, in his book called Creative for Community Sites, one of the most famous research projects that has ever been done was the Alameda Society conducted by, or study conducted by a Harvard a social scientist, which took place over a nine-year period. They tracked the lives of 7,000 people, residents in Alameda County in California, and they found this, that most, I think we have a slide coming up here, that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die younger than relationally connected people. They discovered that people who had bad health habits like smoking, poor reading, alcohol use, and so on, but strong relational connect connections lived significantly longer than people who had greater health habits but were isolated. And then he concluded with this, the next slide please. He said, it was more healthy to eat Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. <laughs> Another study published in the Journal of American Medical Association took 276 volunteers and infected them all with a virus that produced the common cold. And in this study, they found that people were strong, with stronger emotional and deeper relationships did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. Those with stronger relational connections were less susceptible to colds and produced significantly less mucus than relationally unconnected subjects. And he concluded that, that uh, it is proven that unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> Studies like this 
are simply confirming what the writers of the scriptures taught long ago. We were created for community. We're made for relational connectedness. We're designed by God to love and be loved, to know and be known, to serve and be served, to celebrate and be celebrated. And to miss out on this is to miss out on the reason God made you. Whatever else you achieve, whatever else you accomplish, however much you pile up, however high you climb the ladder, you miss this, then you miss why you were made. We weren't built for isolation. We were created for community. And community isn't ultimately about us, it's about God. And I think that COVID certainly substantiated this truth. The church should be the most compelling expression of community in our culture. It should stand in contrast to the counterfeit community that costs us nothing. But unfortunately, in most of our churches, we're more well known for awkward circles than we are for transformational community. May that never be our case here at First Calgary. We really do need each other. If the, usher, for, or the worship team would come forward at this time and lead us in our closing song. <laughs>